Thank you. You may be seated. With uh, this morning uh, being Vision uh, Sunday, uh, it's uh, something new that we want to try to get started, and we'd like to be able to bring this to you at the beginning of each year. And uh, uh, with everything that's hit this past 2020, sometimes we feel like we get stuck in some sort of rut. We don't know what we can do, what we can't do, where we're able to minister, where we're not able to minister. And so it was important uh, that we do the best that we can to try to put some sort of plan together. And you know the old saying, uh, if you fail to plan, you have planned to fail. And we don't want to plan to fail, so we're not going to fail to plan. And uh, we wanted to bring to you as best we could uh, just sort of a, a snapshot of the vision uh, for this year. Brother Sean drew your attention to the uh, uh, piece of paper you're able to find and if <clears throat> if perhaps one was not necessarily in your seat you look at the row in front of you or behind you and I'm sure you'll find a blank one that you can grab a hold of. Uh, and then there's also the page of the events descriptions and uh, some of the different things. I, I didn't want to go into great detail because you'd have had a 15 page uh, uh, document in front of you but just a, a little something to uh, help you to see some of what we tried to come up with and put together. Uh, some of this is brand new stuff. Some of it is um, old hat. Um, but uh, we'll, we'll try to give you as much information as we can as we go through. Uh, I've been talking with uh, 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 Brother Mike Currington. He's the uh, uh, Fowler Chief of Police. And uh, he's been looking for a way to do something in the community as well. And so we, we had talked about doing like a touch of truck there in August. And so you'll see different things like that uh, throughout the uh, calendar. But I want to give you just a little bit uh, of, a, of a direction. Uh, the message this morning is going to be from the book of Titus chapter 2. Uh, if you wanted to go ahead and turn to Titus chapter 2 so that you're there, <clears throat> that's fine. Um, but uh, let me give you just a few major points as far as vision casting is concerned, before I get you into the meat of our message this morning. And uh, I'm going to do the best that I can to be uh, conscientious of your time. Uh, I'm one of those that, you know, if we spent 14 hours a day in, in, the, in the Word of God, that wouldn't, that wouldn't bother me. But I know some of you all are worried about the uh, weather, and so we want to make sure that you get home at a decent amount of time. But uh, before we get into Titus uh, uh, and, and our message this morning, let me give you just a few things. Uh, oftentimes, the question of what is the purpose of the church and, and the pastor. Uh, we're going to dig into that a little bit deeper here in a little bit. But um, if, you, if you examine why the church, uh, oftentimes you're going to hear something to the effect of, I don't need to go to church, I can have church right at my own home. Now, uh, there's a little bit of a, a play in words in that sometimes. Um, we've got to remember that you and I are part of the body of Christ. And so when we look at the church as, uh, as a whole, as in the body of Christ, uh, for me to be able to say, I am part of the church, so I don't have to go to a church building, I understand that. 
but what we want to look at is what is the purpose of this local New Testament body of Christ. And I, I think Acts chapter number 2, verse 42, kind of sums this up for us. Um, Acts chapter 2, if you remember, the, uh, uh, this is where the uh, uh, Pentecost took place. And uh, at, shortly after Peter preaches his message, uh, people are approaching Peter and they're like, hey, wait a minute, what do we do now that we have this information? What do we do with this? And uh, he turned and he said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the remission of sins. But Acts chapter 2, verse 42 says something interesting about this body of believers. It says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayer. And so I just want to kind of focus in on these four things as we cast this vision this morning uh, of what we want to see Liberty Bible Church trying to accomplish in 2021. Now, 2020 was a difficult one. We, we put plan and preparation into 2020, and we didn't get to do half of what we had planned and prepared to do. But the Lord was gracious to us, and we were able to do a lot of stuff. I, 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 my, my dad is in the Gideons, and he is uh, constantly contacting other churches and uh, you know, seeing, do you, would you like me to come present the Gideon ministry and this, that, and the other. And I've talked with several other missionaries uh, that, are, that are on deputation or, or, or maybe on furlough and trying to get into some churches. And you know, the, the thing that I keep hearing over and over and over and over and over again is the majority of churches who are still not even able to meet on Sunday morning. Now, you can come up with your own thoughts on that you know or may, you know someone i'm sure may may look at this uh, church who's still not meeting on sunday mornings as they're cowards another person may look at this uh, at this church that's not meeting on sunday mornings and and feel sorry that they're unable to i am thanking god that we have the ability to take a facility down here in the lower building that used to be a gymnasium convert it into a, a an auditorium and we now have an auditorium that is big enough for us to space out as much as we want. I'm praising the Lord that God has given to us in His foreknowledge. He gave to us something that we're able to utilize such as this. This is a, this is a big blessing. A lot of people don't have that ability, don't have that, uh, that option. Uh, there are some uh, churches that they're actually being, uh, uh, they're, they're being targeted with lawsuits and people are trying to get the pastors arrested in certain parts of the country. Understand, we are blessed. Now, I can get upset about some of the stuff that I didn't get to do in 2020, or I can be thanking God for the things that I did get to do in 2020. And so as we look at this, I want to point out these, the, the uh, four major points of this verse before we get into Titus because I think it's important for us to understand this and, and you're going to kind of get two mini messages this morning. So uh, just kind of buckle up and hold on. It's going to be fun. Uh, but the first, uh, the first thing I want to point out in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, they have four major points within it that they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, in fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. Those four major things there that we're going to look at uh, quickly as we get into our vision casting. Uh, we're going to kind of go at this a little bit backwards, though, because I'm going to give them to you in the order that they, uh, they come out, and then I'm going to reverse that order. So the order that they came out was Apostles' Doctrine, Fellowship, Breaking of Bread, and Prayer. Let's look at this in the reverse, however. Look at prayer with me first. 
And this is what we're hoping for as far as catching the vision uh, of 2021 prayer. This is what we're asking of, of Liberty Bible Church in 2021. You ready? A commitment to prayer. Now this may sound elementary to some, but you in the back of your mind and in your heart, examine how much of your prayer life is away from the dinner table or the parking lot while you're looking for a good space. I can remember as a kid, my my mom, she was one of those, she prayed about everything, everything. And we would be, we'd go to the mall or go to the grocery store or something, and mom would say, okay, you guys pray for a good parking space. Yeah, we'd be driving through the park. Lord, please let us have a good parking space. Please let us have a good, we're just sitting in the back seat. Lord, please let us have a good parking space. How much of our prayer life is beyond that? How much of our prayer life is beyond rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub, yay, God? And so that's what we're asking. We're asking everyone who attends Liberty Bible Church to commit to having a prayer life. You know, we're looking to start the Kids Prayer Brigade. That's something that's going to be new. And we've got, uh, I'm working with a couple right now that uh, we are hoping here within the next month to be able to kick something off. It's a Kids Prayer Brigade. It's exactly what it says, where we get the groups of kids together on Sunday morning, pre-service time, and they just simply pray. There's a novel idea. We're not bringing them in to have a game time or to have another lesson time. or that We are simply coming together to pray. Why would we do something like that? Because prayer is important. Family prayer time. We're asking for commitments to family prayer time. As a family, you spend a little bit of time together just praying. How much time do we spend watching the TV? How much time do we spend playing games? You think we can work in a little bit of prayer time there? As far as prayer is concerned, we've got missions emphasis, uh, emphases that we're hoping to, uh, uh, to uh, capitalize on uh, this year. Uh, Sister Sonia is working on amassing some things with the missions. Uh, Brother Jeff has been, uh, uh, he's been working a, a coffee shop back here. And if you did not know, come Sunday morning, you get, you, your barista is sitting right back here. So instead of swinging by Starbucks and giving them your $15 for a cup of joe, swing by and give Jeff Bucks instead. And all the money goes toward missions. And these are just little things that we're trying to put in front of you all uh, as ways to, uh, uh, to emphasize. This, these are some things. Buy a cup of coffee. Know who we're, who we're trying to emphasize this month and pray for them. Pray for these missionaries. Pray for the track distribution and the outreach. If you're not going to be part of, distri- of track distribution and you're not going to be part of outreach, you're not going to be part of bringing other people to the, uh, to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, can you pray for those who are? Now you can let that one hurt or you can take it as a challenge. There was an older lady at my mom and dad's church. God love her every time I would go home to visit, every time I was there when I lived there. She would stop me in the aisleway and grab me by the hand and she'd say, I'm praying for you. It's important. You have no idea the importance of prayer until you've had someone like that in your life. 
pre-event prayer bathing. You know, this is just simply what it is. We've got a whole list of events there on your all's sign-up sheet. Can you commit to praying for them? Well, you're not going to catch me doing that. But I'll pray for it. Good. Good. Pray for it. The next thing would be breaking of bread. Now, you can look at this in several different ways. A lot of times people uh, take this breaking of bread and only equate that to uh, getting together for dinner. And, and, and that had somewhat to do with it, but I believe more than that, you had the Lord's Supper was a big importance to that church. We've committed to monthly Lord's Table. First Sunday night of every month, we celebrate the Lord's Table. You going to be there? Now, I'm trying to give you a vision. And I'm praying that you catch it. I'm praying that you catch the vision. That as we put this out, we just want to, as the early church did, we want to continue steadfastly in a few areas. Lord's Supper, fellowship meal. Sister Ruth is always trying to find more people that are willing when, when someone's injured in the hospital, sick, uh, whatever it may be. We, we like to be able to send food to them if they need it. She's always trying to drum up more people who are willing to just simply cook a meal and take it to somebody. Are you able to do that? Could you help with that? Special events, we have snacks and you know, Christmas Eve service, we have cookies, things like that all the time. We'll include this in the breaking of bread, but how about this? Every once in a while, maybe contact one of your brothers or sisters in Christ and say, meet me for a cup of coffee. Just tell me how you're doing. Can I be a blessing to you? Fellowship. This is the participation in events, organizing, working in certain events. Facilitate the gatherings. We'll get into that in just a minute, a little bit more. But as far as facilitating and promoting various events, I can be a consumer or I can be a contributor. And it's very easy in our day and time to be consumers and not be contributors. And this is what we're hoping. 2021 simply be a time where we come together as a body. Uh, You know, you all have a specific doctrine of creation that is yours. And when I'm talking about a doctrine of creation, I'm not talking about uh, six days versus billions of years. I'm talking about you were made in the image of God and He made you in His likeness and each and every individual person is different than one another, but all of us made in His image. How are you using the way God has created you to benefit the whole? You have a different doctrine of creation than I do. I know some people, they absolutely love it when the NFL draft comes along. I have no clue when it is. That's just not in my doctrine of creation. Some people, they can watch college football till uh, till the cows come home. I'd rather watch cows. Hey, here they come, you know. And that's okay. 
There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But can you use that? Can you use that to further the gospel of Jesus Christ? Well, I like going to BW3s and watching football. Well, maybe you ought to start something at your house and have a Bible study during halftime because Lord knows we don't need to watch that halftime show. That's just me. How are you going to use your doctrine of creation this year to further the gospel? To promote different things? And then last, we have the apostles' doctrine. This is where we make a commitment to the different teaching times. Understand, I I realize that there's a lot of folks right now that we've got several folks that are struggling with health. We've got several folks that are struggling with uh, with COVID. We have several folks right now that are traveling. We've got several folks right now that could not make it out of their driveway this morning. So I understand some of this kind of stuff, but let's... Let's just make a commitment to when it's not providentially hindered that I'm going to be where my church family is collectively studying the Word of God. As much as lies in me, as much as is possible, I'm going to commit to this. I'm going to commit to studying God's Word. Look, I don't know everything, and I prove that every single Sunday. And if the only Bible you're getting is the Bible that I'm handing you on Sunday mornings or one of the teachers is handing you on Wednesday evenings or what have you, if that's the only Bible you're getting, you are starving to death. Would you expect to be able to eat one and a half meals a a week and still be able to function? No. No. And so we're asking to commit as a family, we're doing this together as a group, to committing to our, uh, uh, as much as is possible, to commit to being together, studying the Word of God. Studying it not just at church times, but also with personal and family devotion times. And then sharing what you have learned with others as well. This is the vision that we're hoping for. (laughs) Now, I know sometimes we expect, okay, we're, we're, we're trying to cast a vision here. And so we want to do this event, and we want to do this event, and we want to do this event, and that's the vision. No, 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 no. Those are ways that we can accomplish the vision. So we need to understand the difference between the vision and the ways to accomplish, or should we say the means and the ends. The end is not the event. That's the means to an end. The end is what we're trying to cast here this morning. And so give an example of this. There's a few major events that you know, we, can, we can look at. Here's just three different major events that we're looking at this year. Number one is work days. Many hands make light work, and a couple of those work days, believe it or not, are scheduled on Sunday. And so we're not going to want to keep you here for all hours of the day because we know you're tired. We know you're hoping to get to Cracker Barrel or wherever. I don't even know if there's a Cracker Barrel around here. But we know you're wanting to get out and go. But the more people that we have doing stuff, we can get a lot of small tasks done so that it's ready for the spring, for the winter. In the summertime, there's a, there's a, a Saturday work day. 
And so jumping in, and, and that'll be a longer day. And hopefully we'll, I don't know, maybe you're coming along and saying, you know, I really can't do a lot of physical labor, but I can make sure that everybody doing physical labor has a hot dog or a hamburger at the end of it. Praise the Lord. Come on out and be a part of that. Family revival. This past year, we, with the, uh, the changes to the schedule, we did a, uh, an online version of a vacation Bible school, and, but we had our um, revival scheduled in September, and we decided to do a family revival. And I don't know about anybody else, but I, I've heard from several people, and I myself had my socks blessed off. I just had a blast. I had a fun time. It was great to be able to be with the family while we were having revival. And so we're hoping to do some different things like that as well. You can look at your event descriptions uh, to see some of what we, uh, uh, some of the different ideas. Different community days. We need help promoting those, facilitating those. We need people to attend. And so there's all kinds of stuff that is in this. But this in and of itself is not the vision. This is just a way that we want to try to accomplish the vision. So it's with that in mind that I'd like to go ahead and take you to our text this morning. Look with me, if you would, at Titus chapter 2. Stand with me for the reading of the Word of God, please. Titus chapter number 2. We'll read verses 11 through 14. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and that glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. Father, I pray your blessings this morning as we just take a look at your word. And Father, that you would stir in the hearts of everyone today a vision of a future closer to you. We pray that you would help us as we dig into your word, that we would not be distracted, we would not be a distraction. Father, I believe that there are people perhaps here today, who are born again by the Spirit of God. I believe, Father, there may be people here today who believe that they're born again, but they truly have never seen you. And, Father, there may be people here today who know beyond the shadow of a doubt that they do not know you. And, Father, they're trying to see something, trying to understand the attraction to Christ and His church. So, Father, what we ask is that you would give to us this morning a vision to show this world how they can live soberly, righteously, and godly by rejecting this world and embracing you. We pray, Father, that you would watch over the remainder, that it would be pleasing unto you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Trying to, uh, trying to keep just a few things uh, in the forefront. 
the opening question, I guess I would put it this way, what should a church and their pastor be doing? What should a church and their pastor be doing? I've, I've had uh, many times, I've had folks um, ask what my job was. What, what do you do? Do you do, you do anything uh, other than preach? Do you, you know, what, what, what is it that a pastor does? <clears throat> and you know, there have been different times and, and uh, different seasons in ministry. Uh, yeah, at one point, my ministry was uh, uh, included going to the church at 8 o'clock in the morning, starting buses because it was frigid cold, and let's make sure that they get started before it's uh, time to take off. And then I would go into the church, and I'd get things set up and get things uh, uh, prepared for different classes. I'd jump on a bus, and I'd go pick up a bunch of kids, and then I'd come back from the bus route, go uh, run upstairs, teach a college and career class, and then I'd run down to the basement, teach junior church with the little ones, and I'd run back upstairs, get all my bus kids together, jump on a bus, head back out, deliver them all, and then pray that I made it to Taco Bell in time to have lunch with my uh, my wife and kids, and the, my driver would drop me off at Taco Bell or Long John Silver's or whatever on the way. And uh, uh, many times I was the last kid getting dropped off on the bus route. And that was part of my ministry. But that's not the way it is for me today. It's different today. And as I approached this day of of vision casting, I prayed and I thought long and hard about what this year's focus would be. And as as is typical and normal, oftentimes you get into your mind the different things that you want to do or the different events that you want to accomplish this year. As, As your pastor, sometimes there can be a lot of pressure from the outside world on what I ought to be doing. And if you get online or you look on TV and you see some of these different pastors and some of the things that they're involved in and the way that they're running their ministry, you kind of wonder to yourself if everybody else is expecting the same thing of you. And so it, it's, it's sometimes easy. Uh, you see a lot of pastors today that kind of fall into this idea of the pastor is more of a profession like a CEO of a large corporation. And so you start to think to yourself, okay... How do I get more customers to come in and uh, take what it is that we're trying to produce? Can I let you know something? That is not the way a pastor needs to be handling the ministry. Now, don't misunderstand me. I truly believe that there are many well-intended pastors out there who have bought into the idea that this is their duty to grow a large ministry. And then what happens is we end up neglecting our God-given calling to feed the flock. And it was with this thought that my heart was turned toward our text this morning of Titus chapter 2, verse 11 through 14. And I want you to note this morning three major points. Number one, it all has to do with grace. Number one, the source of grace. Number two, the effects of grace. And then number three, the purpose of grace. You see, as believers, we are recipients of grace. Now, I don't know if you have realized this, but you, my friend, are a recipient of grace. Grace simply being that which you do not deserve, but it is favor and kindness. 
You have been given favor. God has been kind to you. And we don't deserve it. You and I are recipients of grace. And so we want to take a look at this. In all this, uh, 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 looking at these three major things, and then we're going to come to a final conclusion on it. In all of this, I have found a vision for us as Liberty Bible Church. But I want you to know something in that church. I have also given a vision to me as your pastor. And I think it's important for us to be on the same page. And so I'm going to make some commitments to you as your pastor... I'm going to pray that you all are able to make some commitments to one another. Not to me, but to one another as Liberty Bible Church. Let's look at the source of grace to begin here. Number one, you find that in verse 11. It says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. Notice where where the source is of this grace is. God has always been gracious, always. And that grace was made manifest through His Son, Jesus Christ. I think sometimes we get uh, the idea, some have mistakenly said that the Old Testament God was a fierce, punishing God, while the New Testament God is a gracious and loving God. This is not true. The God of the Old Testament is the God of the New Testament. There wasn't some shift that took place when you had the Old Testament leading up uh, and then all of a sudden you had that 400 years of silence and God changed during that time. That's not what we're looking at. You have the same God of the Old Testament that is the God of the New Testament. He has always been gracious and it was always uh, His love, His mercy that was being poured out upon us. But this grace, I want you to understand, being freely offered, unmerited, kindness. Notice what it says there in verse 11. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. If you want to get a little bit of uh, more of an understanding of this grace, you can go back to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2. And notice what Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 and 9 have to say. It says, For by grace are ye saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Now, if you just kind of take a look at this for just a moment. The grace, it is by grace that you are saved through faith. Understand, it is not your faith that saves you. Through faith, we are saved by the grace of God. It is His grace that is the saving agent. It is He and He alone. If it, is, if it was up to how much faith I have, we would be into some big trouble. But I have faith in Him, and He graciously saves. But I want you to notice something. This grace being offered to all freely, it is unmerited. I want you to notice what it says there in verse, uh, verse 10 of Ephesians chapter 2. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Now look again over here in the book of Titus. And you see where it says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, and then it gets into why. 
It tells us not only that we have the grace, but then it tells us what, the, what this grace produces in us. And then you're going to follow it all the way down to verse number 14. Notice what it says. Who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. This grace is not for us to simply be consumers. He has graciously saved us to be contributors. Now, this is a difficult one in our McDonald's society. Or perhaps Burger King, your way right away, would be a little bit more feasible. We want to be able to show up and give me, give me, give me, teach me, teach me, teach me, show me, show me, show me. What do you got for me today, preacher? And then we, we, we even sometimes facilitate this idea. You know, when we're leaving the church and we look to one another and say, well, what did you get out of the service today? Well, I didn't really get anything out of the service. Well, then why'd you come? Wait, wait a minute. <laughs> Let's ask it a different way. What did we put into it? What did we put into the service? You know, generally speaking, I have found, this is personal, but you can apply it to yourself if you feel, feel the need to do so. But I have found when I have attended the preaching of the Word of God and I walk away saying, I didn't really get anything out of that, it's generally because I did not prepare my heart. It's generally because I didn't show up ready for something new. It's generally because I was too busy thinking about what's going to take place after that I wasn't able to get anything because I was too busy focusing on you know, everything else. I can remember being a teenager. You know what it was like when you were younger. You'd sit there and you'd sing along with the rest of the church. Hallelujah. Do the laundry. Hallelujah, gee, I'm hungry. Hallelujah, who's that girl in the third row? I can remember being that young, yeah, in my 20s, and I looked over, is she single? Thank you, Jesus. And then you walk away, what'd you get in the service today? <laughs> oh. Maybe it's because of what I was putting into it. The grace of God hath appeared to all men. Notice, this grace is unbiased. It doesn't matter if you're man, woman, adult, child, red, yellow, black, or white. It is available to all. This is the grace of God. I want you to notice something else in here. Grace is from God. No one deserves it. No one can earn it. We have to focus in on that. You didn't deserve what you were given. And yet time and time again, I find myself going through my life. (laughs) Well, I'm glad I'm not that guy. Whoa. This is grace from God, not grace that I earned because I, I, there's something special about me. The grace of God. 
Now, I want you to see the effects of this grace, though. The, the, this grace that God brings brings several uh, things into our life. This grace will begin at, at, uh, uh, to affect our life. It'll bring about certain effects in the recipient's life and heart. Number one, the grace of God teaches us certain things. You notice what it teaches? It teaches us to reject self-serving desires. Notice that, verse 12 teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Do you see the very first thing it tells us about this grace? Is it teaches us to deny something. Now, we, we don't like that in our society. Uh, you know, and it doesn't matter, Republican or Democrat, you know, it doesn't matter. Everybody wants more. You know, it's just a matter of where it's coming from, I guess. Everybody wants more. We are in such a consumer society. Give me more of this. Give me more of that. Give me more of this. Bigger and better everything. The effects of grace, though, coming into play here, grace would teach us. Now, this word for teaching brings the idea of discipling or discipline. It gives to us a discipline. I think of, uh, of a young man who is undisciplined and doesn't, uh, he, he, he goes into his, uh, into his house and, and uh, he's, his mom says, I need you to get the garbage. And then he just walks straight past the garbage can, goes upstairs to his room. And she says, hey, did you get the garbage taken care of? He says, no, I didn't get the garbage. I need you to take the garbage out. And so he walks downstairs and he's on his way and he walks into the kitchen. There's the garbage can and he looks over, there's the refrigerator. So he opens the refrigerator. Gets himself out 15 pieces of bologna and he makes himself of a huge double decker sandwich of some sort. And then he's sitting around and mom says, Did you get the trash taken care of? Absolutely no discipline until he goes to boot camp. <laughs> They're going to boot the discipline into you. And before too long, that mama's little boy comes home and he didn't know how to pick his socks up or throw his underwear in the, in the hamper. And all of a sudden, she comes home to find out you can white glove that boy's room. Why? Because he's been disciplined. They taught him how to live. The idea of teaching here, this is what the Holy Spirit of God does for us. He gets in, he gets involved Grace causes the, the, the believer to submit to instruction. This teaching causes me to reject. It causes me to reject ungodliness. Notice that this grace causes one to deny selfish desires, not only in heart, but in deed as well. The ungodliness is mentioned here. See what it says there in verse 12, teaching us to, that denying ungodliness, this ungodliness could be impiety or irreverence, this blaspheming attitude, blasphemy, any, anything, you can just kind of take blasphemy and understand it. It is bringing what is holy down uh, to the common. This is why we don't use God's name in vain. This is why we don't do that, because God's name is higher. It ought not to be used as a common expression or a common word. It ought not to be used that way, especially in vulgarity. It, the, the, the grace of God causes and teaches us to deny this type of attitude, to deny living without regard to God. 
my happiness over God's way. The grace of God that, that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us to deny what I want over what he says. That's what it's telling you. But it also goes even further into the worldly lusts or the desire for the things of this life. The things that this world has to offer being more important than the things that God has to offer, that God's Word has to offer. Just think about it for just a moment. How much have we spent in the Word of God and digging for the riches of God's, uh, of God's Word? How much time have we spent in that versus how much time we have spent trying to further our education or our careers or our hobbies? Do I know as much about God's Word as I do the Cleveland Indians? Do I know as much about God's Word as I do my favorite college football team? Do I know as much about God's Word as I do the, uh, which oil to put on for which problem? Do I know as much about God's Word as I do what, what diet is, is popular or what, what's fashionable? We were watching these commercials the other day and he got this stupid thing, the real, real. And I'm like, man, those are some of the ugliest people with some of the ugliest clothes. And my wife says, well, you just need to know how much those clothes are. And I'm like, you got, no, what, a couple hundred bucks? You're like, $3,000 for a coat? What kind of moron buys that stuff? She says, you would be surprised. I mean, you got to be kidding me. People are willing to invest three grand in a pair of underwear, but they won't spend five minutes in God's Word. Pastor, you're meddling. No, I'm being honest. I'm being honest. I'm hoping that you all can catch a vision to deny ungodliness and worldly lusts. The grace of God teaches us to deny that, but it produces something as well. The grace of God produces in us soberness, righteousness, and godliness. Notice that. Notice that. This idea of soberness, this is not simply not being drunk. Okay? <laughs> Somebody like, I haven't had a drink in 14 years. Well, that's not what we're talking about. Okay. Soberness, I keep myself in constant balance. Understanding that I am a steward. This life is not my own. This body does not belong to me. That's one of the things that we preachers sometimes we skip over. We, we can talk about, you, know, you make sure you don't, uh, don't, don't drink, don't smoke, don't chew, and don't go out with the girls that do, you know. But we forget to say, and don't overeat, because our gluttony gets in the way, doesn't it? Teaches us to live soberly. I do not get extreme in my language. I don't get extreme, but I exercise control in my appearance. I exercise control in my eating habits, my recreation. Why? Why? Because the grace of God that brings salvation hath appeared to me. And because of that, I'm going to live revealing it. I had a, a dear lady, she's since gone home to be with the Lord at our last church. 
And she was one of those that you looked forward to being like her because she said whatever she thought. She just did not, she had zero filter. And you were just going, you know, everybody's okay with it. It's just, you know, you know the kind of person. They just say what they think. They don't, if it hurts your feelings, it hurts your feelings. It's not that I... And she put her arm around me one day. And I was standing there at the entrance of the church. She puts her arm around me. And she says, you know, I really must say... And then she stopped herself. And I said, well, she says, no, never mind. I said, what? Well, you have gained a lot of weight. Good to see you too. <laughs> I'm going to go home and pick up bulimia again. <laughs> you know, the, the, the Adamic nature in me wanted to say, I really must say you've gotten uglier, but I was nice. But the grace of God teaches soberness. Righteousness. In other words, I am just in my actions and in my life and my dealings and how I treat others. I treat others fairly. I treat others. I do not expect of them more than I expect of myself. I simply do right. Let me ask you something. Is it right? We hear a lot of this kind of stuff today. The, our millennials and Gen Zers like to tell us what's right. And uh, it's not right that you have two cars when somebody down the street doesn't have one. Okay, well, that's nice. Thank you. Is it right that you and I have experienced the grace of God while the people across the street have never heard His name? Is that right? That I have experienced the saving grace of my Lord and Savior while the people that I work with have never so much as read John 3.16. Is that right? Well, the grace of God that brings salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us to deny ungodliness and worldly lust, that we would live soberly right. That we would live righteously. Godly. A life of godliness is one lived with God in God, for God. That's what the grace of God brings into our life. And last, the purpose of His grace. Look at verse 14. Who gave Himself for us, that we might redeem, that He might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto Himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. He gave Himself for us for a reason. Now, I skipped verse 13 on purpose because I wanted to come back to that. Because generally speaking, what we get into is if we're not cautious, we will go down the road of, I've been saved, and now I'm looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Can't wait for the second coming. Even so, come Lord Jesus. But we don't pay attention to why He saved us. He didn't just save you to give you a home in heaven and a mansion calling your own so that you can sit on a cloud and play a harp for the rest of eternity. Notice the purpose. 
who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from iniquity. This redemption from iniquity. (laughs) Christ saves us to deliver us from death to life, and this is now. Get this, Christ's offer of salvation is to deliver you from death to life. But it is not for, uh, okay, you have been delivered from death in hell to life in heaven. No, 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 my friend. Being dead in your trespasses and sin, you have been redeemed, present tense, to life more abundantly. Are you living the life now? Or are you only waiting for heaven? We have an opportunity afforded to us by grace. We have been redeemed, not just paying your ticket, but freeing you from your bondage to sin. This is present tense. Sanctification. You see that in verse 14, it says that He might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto Himself a peculiar people. Zealous of good works. You want to know the will of God. Paul wrote to the Thessalonians and he said, This is the will of God, your sanctification. It is God's will that you and I be more and more daily set apart. That's what is being said in this word, purify unto himself. His grace came to you to purify you. Oh, we don't like that part. Tell me about the grace that takes me to heaven, but don't tell me about the grace that makes me want to be different. Wait a minute. I didn't. I'm just relaying the message. And here's my vision for Liberty Bible Church 2021, if we don't have another event for the rest of the time that we are here on earth, but we all commit to prayer, being in the Word of God, fellowshipping and making one another accountable, holding one another accountable, encouraging one another, spurring one another along in in good works, and sharing the gospel to everybody that we come into contact with. If we make commitments just within these walls, just within these four walls, I'm going to spend time on my knees talking to God. I'm going to spend time in His Word. I'm going to spend time growing closer to Him. Then guess what's going to happen? Grace is going to sanctify us. Grace is going to make us more like Him. I don't have to go bring in everybody because we're going to be going out to everybody. That's my vision for 2021. I guess you can say so now what, preacher? There was a pastor that had a man leaving his church and he said, I don't want to be here anymore because all you preach about is the gospel. When are you going to preach something other than the gospel? And he simply responded, when you get it. Can I say it this way? Until we, as His church, surrender 
to being more like Him. To engrossing ourselves into the Spirit of the living God's Word. Until we get into that and embrace peculiarity, we can have as many events as we want. And they're going to be meaningless. Because what am I inviting people to? My heart's desire as the pastor of Liberty Bible Church is summed up in verse 15 here. You ready for it? We've looked at 11 through 14. Don't forget that Titus is a pastoral epistle. Paul is writing to Titus, a pastor, on what he needs to do. Verse 15, These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. As the pastor of Liberty Bible Church, my task is to feed the flock. To equip the saints of the work of the ministry. This is my role. And so as your pastor, my task being to feed the flock, my role in this to being to teach and to equip, I vow that that's exactly what I'm going to do to my dying breath, 2021. As we move toward 2021, let us move toward the rejection of worldliness and embracing soberness, embracing righteousness, embracing godliness. We're going to learn how to live this way in this present world. Notice something. 2021 may be a little bleak to some. You may still be wondering what the future holds. You may be concerned. Maybe your kids are getting older and you're just wondering, my goodness, the world that my kids are growing up in. I wouldn't want to be a kid today. I wouldn't want to be a teenager today. But as we move through 2021, let us do it with a desire and a purpose in mind to collectively major on the grace of God and let it be the main focus of our life. Not just our Sunday morning. Let the grace of God be the main focus of our life. As a church... Our role is to spur one another along in this, to encourage one another, and to submit to that accountability with one another. That's what we do as a church. Now, we can have all the events in the world. We can have our Valentine's date. We can have our scavenger hunts, our work days, our car washes, our summer work day, our mosquito, uh, going over to mosquito picnic, touch a truck, growth groups, obstacle course. People are like, obstacle course? Are you nuts? Yep. Joy bags, candy from heaven. The church anniversary, November 21st, mark it down. 
our family revival coming up in June. You got the date right there in front of you, June 13th through the 16th. You going to take off? You going to be here? Let's let the grace of God be what dictates that. And not, man, my life's busy, Pastor. I understand. I understand life can get busy. But you know what? I, I, I mean, I'm not really well seasoned. But in 41 years, something I have learned is I make time for what I want to do. I make time for what's important to me. And 2021 is the year that I want Christ to be more important than He has ever been in my life. I want the grace of God being funneled into me, taught to me. I want that iron sharpening iron that I get when I'm with you. I want that accountability when someone's walking through the hall and says, Pastor, what have you been reading in your personal devotions? Not your personal, not your sermon prep, what your personal devotions been on lately. I want that more this year than I've ever had it. And I want you to do it. When you see me and you start talking and you say, Preacher, what have you read this week that wasn't sermon prep? I want that. As a church, our role is to spur one another along this way. As individuals, we, me, we must commit to growing in this grace moving ever closer to the image of God and further away from worldliness. It's got to be an individual thing. It's got to be yours. I'm firmly convinced that what, what refrains revival in our world today is me. I'm in the way. And until I get it right, I can't expect anything from anybody else. And I pray that that's your vision for this year. That before anybody else, I get it right with Him. Put the weight of revival on your shoulders this year. Oh, preacher, it's a, it's a difficult time. Yes, it is. It's a difficult day. Yes, it is. This world's a mess. Yes, it is. You're right. And today, more than ever, we need to go as hard on as we can, as fast as we possibly can, toward the person of Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 said that they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Fellowship, breaking of bread, and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed 
were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. It didn't say that they had a special event in a carnival and that's what added to the church daily. They committed themselves to Him and He added to the church daily. Well, Pastor, we need to attract more people and the only way we're going to attract... Stop! You commit to Him and He'll do the rest. That's my vision for 2021. And I would like to know if you're in on it with me. If this is the direction that you would like to go, then it's simple. Not easy, but simple. You carve out time with Him. Whatever way, whatever way you can. That means you've got to get up an extra hour, get up an extra hour. That means you've got to go to sleep an hour later, go to sleep an hour later. That means you need to take your lunch break and not actually eat. Do what you need to do. But I promise you, if we all commit to doing this together, the world has yet to see what God can accomplish through people who are completely and wholly given to Him. Father, we present ourselves to You, Lord, offering ourselves freely. Father, recognizing who You are. I pray, Lord, that we would catch just a little bit of a glimpse of what it is that you would like for us to accomplish this year. And Father, that we would get excited because the grace of God has appeared to us. Father, we thank you for this time together. We thank you for this church. We thank you for the hunger for the Word of God that it has. And we pray, Father, that we would give ourselves ever, ever more to the application of it to our lives. Now, Father, we ask that you would cause in us a desire to reject and deny this world and embrace soberness, godliness, righteousness. And, Father, that we would live lives given to you. It's in your Son's name we pray. Amen.